0: Out Loud, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol Rovers reporter Jack Vittles.
1: Yes, welcome on to Gassing Out Loud with myself, Michelle Owen and Jack Vittles. Uh, some exciting stuff to talk about today, particularly because it's something we've been talking about for a while on this podcast, all about the owner. I'm going to come on to that in just a sec. Obviously, we'll reflect on six points out of a possible nine in the last three games, which isn't a bad return But not such a good turnout on Saturday And we'll assess where Bristol Rovers are heading With the last sort of quarter of the season upon us And looking how far they are from the playoffs So Jack, let's start with talking about the owner Who's come out and done an interview, but not with you
0: <laughs> Yes, yes, so um, while Cardi, it's exactly two years today um, The 19th of February, two years since he took over at Bristol Rovers um, so to sort of celebrate that fact, he's done he's done an interview with the club, talking on a, a wide variety of points. I did uh, ask the club for an interview myself a couple of weeks ago, but that was turned down. So we've, uh, we've had a little look and a listen to the interview from the owner today. Mm-hmm. Nothing uh, completely new in there, to be honest. No massive changes. Um, it was just a real sort of in-depth look back over the last two years, touching on all the points that I think everybody realises are the main issues. You know, the stadium, the training ground, on-field, off-field investment uh, yeah, so it's, it's been two years, and it's uh, sort of interesting to see where Bristol Rovers have, have come from there.
1: Well, OK, two years ago there was a lot of optimism around the club with, you know, a Jordanian... Is he a billionaire?
0: Well, is I, he I, I, I don't know. Well, he's it's, got it's, a lot it's, of money. It's disputed, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, the Jordanian owner coming in had lots of money. There was renewed optimism, you know, around the club about what we'd done, and you know timescales it seemed would be quite quick on things getting done like the stadium and what have you obviously that hasn't happened yet the training ground hasn't happened yet Uh, but what positives have come from his two years in charge so far?
0: Yeah I think uh, there's a lot of positives that have come and I think looking at the reaction today to this two-year anniversary most of the fans are pretty content and happy with the ownership and the way that Weil is uh, taking the club the direction they're going in you know you've got to look at The wide range of things. Obviously, the stadium deal with UE falling through was the biggest disappointment. Also, the slight delay of the training ground. You know, they're two massive projects. One's fallen through and one's delayed. So that's not great, obviously. But seen as a a whole, there are some real positives. The youth setup has come on leaps and bounds, been completely professionalised. A lot of money poured in there. Sort of professionalisation throughout the club as well. New people, commercial directors coming in behind the scenes, which is, you know, not going to get the fans that excited, but it could pay off down the line. In terms of finances, and uh, there has been a little bit of money to spend in the transfer window as well. Obviously, we know money was spent on Tom Nichols in the summer; hasn't turned out brilliant move so far. But mm-hmm. they have put money on the table, um, and yeah, so there's been a few little areas of investment, and they wiped off the uh, or settled the debts from Sainsbury's as well. The legal battle when they first came into the club to do with um, the previous idea to redevelop the MEM. So they took over the club in, in very difficult financial circumstances. You know, the year before they dropped out of the league. And uh, they were fighting that ongoing legal battle. So it wasn't easy to come in. And I think, uh, as Weil has said on numerous occasions now, it's going to be evolution, not revolution. And so far, he's sticking to that.
1: So when we've been, or maybe when I have been a little bit critical, say, you know, what's going on? Why isn't he putting more money into the club? Would you say this interview has revealed that he's putting more than we thought? Or do we already know all this? Because we knew about the appointments of the commercial director. Yeah, I no,
0: I, mean. I think, you know, most people that follow it relatively closely will be aware of the amount of money that the al have put into Bristol Rovers to bring it back to a level of a League One club, you know, they went down to the conference, yep. massive cuts had to be made obviously, the the, you know, the incomings went down, so they were to bring it back to the level of a League One club and start putting their own money in. Um, interestingly, Wilde did also speak about the fact that when he was you know, unveiled as the owner, he was very unknown, and the media sort of portrayed him as maybe having a lot more money
1: a bit of a, than he did. Yeah, I think was, the
0: line, the sixth richest club in England was thrown around, yes. and he sort to, of, you know...
1: I was about to say, I remember that. And it was almost like Roman Abramovich stakes, wasn't it? That's what yeah. people were sort of making out he had that much money. But we think maybe he's a millionaire rather than a bit Yeah,
0: I mean, I don't think it's, you know... It's a lot of money, but I don't think it's going to turn them into Man City overnight, as we've we've yeah. seen. And that's what he said, you know. I think the expectations were raised unfairly because of that coverage at the time. Yeah. But a lot of fans now, I think, are pretty realistic about it. They're not expecting a new, shiny stadium within a year anymore, but they just want to see continued improvements in the playing staff and in the off-field developments, a bit of money spent.
1: Yeah, with the off-field developments, what did he sort of say about the training ground and potentially the redevelopment of the men?
0: Yeah, so the stadium first... Um, a very brief update, obviously, just mentioning once again about the deal falling through back in August with UE, Um, but then talking about this plan B, and he said, you know, he said people have accused him of, of not having a plan B, but they've got a plan B, C, D, Annie in motion. He didn't want to give away too much because mm. he thought it might upset current negotiations, Um, but last time I spoke to him about stadium redevelopment, the plan was to redevelop M and do it stand by stand, but... No time frame on that as yet, and obviously it's going to take a while if they're doing it stand-by-stand. So that's where things are with the stadium. Um, With regards to the training ground, they're moving forward a little bit better. Still no planning permission submitted, um, but project managers have been appointed, and they've in turn appointed appointed, uh, architects, designers, people that hopefully can make things happen. So costs are probably being
1: gathered already to get these quotes, aren't they? Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's not a cheap business, is it? And everybody's going to want paying for their services and... It's going to take a lot of people to put this into action. Yeah. So, it's full steam ahead was the phrase he used. And as far as I know, the opening date of July twenty nineteen for the training ground is still the uh, the number okay. one aim.
1: That's good. That that that's a positive. What sort of negatives though are there then? I mean, we I've been critical that it hasn't seemed on the surface that a lot has been going on. But as we've just discussed, we know about sort of appointments, and now with the training ground going ahead, that's positive. But what what are the negatives? I mean, I guess Billy Bowden going while he's been in. In charge, of, well, owning the club—that's a bad thing, isn't
0: it? Yeah, absolutely. Is that not out of his control? Yeah, I think it is a little bit. You know, losing Taylor last January and Bode in this January, Rose lost their two best players in the last, you know, two January transfer windows. It's not an ideal situation at all. Although they bounced back really well both times.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're it, doing better weird. without. It's crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah. But um, I think it is kind of out of his control. You know, unless he can offer stupid money, which they're, then they're kind of bound by sort of League One financial fair play anyway. Yeah. But in modern football, if a player wants to go and their contract runs out in the summer, they're not going to sign a new deal, are they? So it's kind of out of his hands. Yeah,
1: Alcardi can't do anything about that. But no, what he can no. do is wages. Yeah. So would you say maybe if, if they were offered a more lucrative contract, they'd be interested in staying? Or, or those both those players just always going to go and play championship football?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I wasn't here for the, the Taylor saga, but with Bodin, the, the feeling I got was very much that it was championship football for him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's got a good pay rise going to Preston, but I don't think that was the the real, real motivator. He just wanted to go and play at a higher level. You know, Preston, seventh, eighth in the championship. You can't see Rovers getting to that position any time in the next three years. So it was a step up for him, and I think that's sort of out of uh, Wiles' control. But um, yeah, there's been a few a few setbacks on the way. I think people would like to have seen a bit more money reinvested from the Bowdoin transfer. But uh, overall, from what I've seen, from speaking to fans in person, interacting with them online... Um, yeah, I'd say 80%, 90% are pretty content or, or very happy with how well, things are going.
1: Rome wasn't built in a day and, you know, two years in, there's there's little incremental gains. Do you think in another two years we'll be sat here saying he's doing a great
0: job? Yeah, I hope so. I really hope so. I think what I gauged again from this interview is this is not a guy who's looking to, you know, make a quick buck and leave at all. He's, he's in it for the long haul. He's clearly a football fan. He's clearly taken the club to heart. Um... And I think it's a long-term project for him. You know, like you say, been here two years and he's still talking about years and years down the line. So mm. hopefully, two years' time, we'll see more improvements, um, obviously new training ground open, and maybe the first signs of a bit of movement on the redevelopment of the MEM as well.
1: OK, well, fingers crossed. I feel like we're waiting forever for the redevelopment of the MEM. <laughs> um, I'm sure many Rovers fans feel the same about that. And anything else that we could grasp from that interview? I mean, it would have been great if, if you could have you know, got to sit down with him. Do you think you're going to get that opportunity in future?
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. You know, we'll keep, we'll keep asking the question. Um, I'm always keen to speak to the leading figures at the club. You know, hold, hold them to account and, and speak to them by an independent source. Um, but you know, there was a few other bits and pieces. While spoke about, he spoke about his transfer deadline day, um, where apparently his wife forgot it was deadline day, t- uh, booked them in for dinner around her sister's place, and he was on his phone all <laughs> night trying to organise the deals with you know Tony Craig and Kyle Bennett coming in. Um, and they couldn't announce it until the following morning and fans were getting on his back on social media. Um, So a pretty hectic transfer deadline day, I think, but that's probably the same for every owner, isn't
1: it? Yeah, but you wouldn't commit to going to dinner round at the in-laws, would you? No, 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 exactly. (laughs) Oopsie daisy. Okay, so, yeah, overall pretty positive. Um, Let's talk about the game on Saturday. Let's do the negative before we do the positives. Uh, Not a great game, was it? And pretty pretty gut-wrenching to concede so late on.
0: Yeah, very forgettable game. It was uh, very few chances. It's a very narrow pitch down at Wimbledon, and, and the middle of the pitch was just so congested. Um, and it was a little bit bobbly as well. Both sides, you know, wholehearted, but very little skill in the final third from both sides. So it was a pretty dull affair, mm. to be honest. It wasn't a very enlightening match. And then, yeah, Rovers. Managed to throw it all away, really, in the final 20 seconds. Uh, Forrester got the ball in from the left. I think Moore and Partington should do better for the cross, mm. really. And then Tony Craig's outjumped by Piggott for the goal. And that was 93rd minute. I think there were maybe 15 seconds of play after the restart. Oh. So it was, it was virtually the last so touch annoying. of the game. Um, so it was, it was a bad day all round, really. You know, pretty boring. And then, uh, and then a horrible finish. But as a whole, the week was okay. So it was okay.
1: And if you go further back, you know, six points out of a possible nine in those three games And being behind as well in, in two of those games and coming back A great character, how are the new signings settling in?
0: Yeah, not too bad, not too bad I think Tony Craig's looked okay Obviously a little bit at fault for that goal at Wimbledon um, But I think he's looked alright, a bit of experience, very vocal as well um, And Kyle Bennett grabbed his first goal last weekend at Oxford which is a really good conference boost for him. He's a really nice, uh, chatty lad as well, so he's great to always speak to him after the game. Um, but they both seem to be settling in quite well, and you, you know you can't really overlook those two comeback wins. Rochdale are no mugs, you know they mm. drew his Spurs yesterday. <laughs> yeah. um, that was basically the same eleven that Rovers beat, so you know it proves Rovers can uh, can mix it with the best of them on their day. And they're going to have to, you know, over the next week.
1: Bit of a concern, though. That they keep going behind and having yeah, to it's, make is, it twice as hard for themselves. Yeah, it's
0: a weird one. I've, I've been asking the players about this for the last few months. They've had seven comeback wins now. It's thirteen since the start of last season, which wow. puts them a long way clear of anybody else. Mm. Um, obviously, it's testament to their character, spirit, fitness to keep coming back and keep winning. But
1: is there a problem with concentration?
0: Well, that's it. I, I keep asking. You know, what's the issue with the early goals? Yeah. And from what I've seen. Um, I think the the Oxford goal was kind of a lack of concentration. Yeah. Smith wasn't ready for the start of the game and, and completely misplaced his pass. But generally, they're just getting caught a little bit cold. Um, they just don't seem to be quite at the races for the first 10 minutes. They've had some really poor first 10 minutes, gone behind, and then got their act together.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't expect that from a professional football club, would you?
0: No, and not one led by Daryl Clarke as well. He makes himself, you know, very clear before matches what he expects from his side. But uh, I'm sure they'll be working hard to improve on it. And uh, But then if they keep coming back, it doesn't really matter, does it? But they would like to make things much easier for themselves.
1: Yeah, it just makes it twice as hard. But three wins out of five, the last five, that's a pretty good return. And as always, after Christmas, they seem to be playing better, don't they?
0: Yeah, absolutely. They've lost, I think they've lost two of the last ten since Boxing wow. Day. So it's a good little run. Um... And they're moving up the table. They are. They are moving up the table. Yeah, it's, it's congested in there. Um, obviously, some sides have got a few more games in hand, but teams like Scunthorpe and Bradford and that I, I are sinking like a stone. Really, when you look well, at the form.
1: If you look at the form of the, if you look at the league one table at the moment. How Plymouth Argyle have just crept up from pretty much bottom <laughs> in December, all the way up to within a shout of the playoffs now. And this was recorded before uh, any midweek games, but. You know, it's, it's certainly a case of looking up for Rovers now, not down, isn't it? You know, you look behind you, and I think it's nine points back down to uh, the bottom four. Well, Oldham in 21st got 36. So, yeah, Rovers in twelve and 45. And then up to Charlton... There are six points between them, which is you know at this stage of the season, as we seem to say every time we record a podcast, still in with a shout at the playoffs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. For, I,
1: I, is it realistic, really?
0: Um, I, I would give them something like a five to ten percent chance at the wow. moment. that would be my yeah. guess because they're they're not that far off it. Like you say, six points, but there's so many teams yes. in and around, basically only battling for one playoff spot. Really, I, I think I think Scunthorpe and Rotherham are now pretty well embedded with that. That top three.
1: So there's seven or eight, maybe nine teams competing for one, the last, well, the last one or two playoff spots.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, working on the odds, I give them about a five to 10% chance. So a lot will depend, we say this every week as well, I know, but a lot will depend on the next two games because they've got Wigan and Scunthorpe at home. Um, Mm. Two.
1: Saturday Scunthorpe, isn't
0: it? Yeah, two very good sides. Scunthorpe in a slightly dodgier run of form. If they can get six points or even four from those,
1: This happened last season to Scunthorpe, you know, and I remember them coming to Rovers and losing as well, uh, about this time last year, wasn't it? And, yeah, uh, yeah, they just seemed to sort of collapse towards the end of the season, so now is the time to put a run together.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and Rovers will have, you know, revenge on their mind for the defeat up at Glanford Park, back before Christmas, they lost there in the 94th minute, Um, similar circumstances to Saturday, so they'll be very keen to avenge that defeat. And I think, yeah, Scunthorpe will be a test, they've recruited relatively well in January, and they're sort of just, just steadying in fifth, aren't they? But, yeah, it should be a decent game. And Rovers' home form is still very good. So you've got, you've got to be backing them to get three points. Well, not backing them, but hoping they can get three points there to keep in touch with the playoffs. All you can do is put pressure on the fifth and sixth place sides, isn't it? They're not going to storm in there, you know, in the next week. But, but pressure over the next ten games, maybe.
1: But Darren Clark has said that he doesn't think at the moment that his squad is a top-six side. In fact, his words were they're a million miles from being a top-six side.
0: Yeah, absolutely. After the defeat, Wimbledon, he came out and said, at the moment, this squad is a million miles away from being a top-six squad. I think that was probably a reaction to the defeat as opposed to the quality on show. And also, you know, managers do like to play things down ahead of games. So they've got two big games coming up, lowering expectations and all that's all part of a manager's remit these days, you know, dealing with Amelia. Um, but yeah, I think... Realistically, where are they in the table? 11th, 12th? I think that's probably fair in in terms of (laughs) Mm -hmm. the squad they've got. That's punching above their weight in terms of the budget, if you ask Daryl Clark. So he'll keep telling you they're overachieving and they're simply striving to overachieve even more.
1: And they finished 10th last season. Yes. So they wanted, wanted to better that. That's still a big possibility, isn't
0: it? Yeah, absolutely. I think a top 10 finish would be a success. I think it was 67 points they got last season, which was the most they've got in the third tier Thinks since 2000 yeah so it's a really buoyant time really when you look at it over a longer period of time i think people just uh some fans, maybe a minority, get a little bit restless and want instant success. But back-to-back promotions, followed by two top ten finishes, not to be sniffed at.
1: Um, I just want to ask you about free agents and how it works now. Because uh, just after the January transfer window, you did a piece uh, saying the free agents that could still come in. Is there anyone still out there that could come in? And um, What's the deadline for free agents to be signed? It has to be done by March, doesn't it? Or is that not right?
0: Do you know what? I don't know these days on the free agents. I think it is March. I'm not entirely sure on that. But I don't think, to be honest, it's going to be an issue that arises at the Rovers. I don't think they'll be... You looking...
1: don't think they're in the market for
0: anyone else? No, I don't I don't think so. Now there's only what's there, 13 games to go. Mm-hmm. They've got a, a nice versatile squad now. Obviously, there'll be changes in the summer.
1: Yep.
0: Um, But it's, it's not like they're on the cusp of the playoffs and it's worth a little splurge of cash to make mm-hmm. them. I think if they're good enough to go up, this team will gel and it will go on an amazing run. If not, mid-table, again, reassess... Um, probably lose a couple of players, but hopefully bring in a couple of real quality players as well.
1: Do you think in summer then, uh, have, we've seen this interview now from Al do you think that he will be interested in parting with a little bit more cash, give Daryl Clark more money than he had in the January transfer window?
0: I think you, you have to hope so. A, because the in money obviously is still there, we think. Um, and also... Do we
1: know that what that was exactly?
0: No, we don't. Um... I've heard from people in the Preston end of it that they think it's around half a million, so it's a reasonable chunk to spend in League one, and when it comes round to it, I think they'll try and invest a little bit more in the summer, you know if they come mid table this season, that's two solid seasons in league one to to kick on and be consistently in the top eight or six. I think they've got to spend a bit of money um It was interesting as well to hear what Daryl had to say a couple of weeks ago about the two loanees Mark Bowler from Arsenal Dom Telford from uh, Stoke and the fact that both of their contracts are up in the summer so I don't know whether Maybe he'd be
1: interested in bringing them in permanently Yeah,
0: looking at bringing those in permanently He hasn't really played Telford a huge amount though
1: no, I was just thinking, that. why would he bring him in permanently when he hasn't really used him a terrific amount, has
0: he? It? Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. I think Bowler, perhaps, he's played a lot more games. Well, yeah. um, he looks a little bit raw at times, but his quality is absolutely there, and he's only going to get better at 20. Yeah, he's so young, isn't he? Yeah, so I, I think there's there's a possible scope to bring him in there. Um, obviously, Lee Brown's been around for years at left-back, but Bowler's actually been ahead of him, even when both players are fit, on occasions. Um, so we'll wait and see what deals are struck with those two, perhaps, and then also, obviously depending on where Rovers finish and how much money was given to spend. We'll see what else he can bring in ahead of what will be, you know, an all likelihood a third season in League One.
1: So we discussed Scunthorpe at the weekend, we must look ahead as well to Wigan on Tuesday and people might look at that and the league position that Wigan are in and think oh that's going to be three points for Wigan if you based it on the table but Wigan's form hasn't been so great of late, they've lost two on the bounce and they've got to play at Manchester City at the time of recording, they're playing Manchester City tonight uh, and you'd imagine that's going to be pretty taxing upon them so it could be a decent time to play them couldn't it next Tuesday night
0: yeah, they they've been fallible the last few weeks, having gone on that ridiculous run. They don't concede goals, and they nick games one nil, two nil. They dropped down to second as well, um, which I think is surprised people to see Shrewsbury still up there in first place. It's going to be a tough test. They're a very good side, Wigan. You look at their squad on paper; they've got some of the best players in League One. It, it, you know, it's as simple as that. People yeah. like Will Grigg, Nick Powell. They've got a really strong side, good defence as well, really solid, consistent team selection, and a great boss. <laughs> so it's yeah, a re- got a, it all. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really tough ask for Rovers, but they're at home. It'll be a Tuesday night. The place should be rocking. Um, if they get the result against Scunthorpe on Saturday as well, the momentum will be yeah, it's with momentum, them.
1: Isn't it? So
0: it should be really exciting. And you think
1: that Blackpool beat them? At the weekend, you know, yeah. beat Wigan at the weekend, and before that, Southend beat them. Teams in and around Bristol Rovers have done it, so why
0: not? Absolutely, you've got to be positive. You've got to go in with a, a can-do attitude, and you, you know, you know, Daryl Clark will send his team in there to win that game. They're not going to take a point at home to anybody, so should be a really good game. Hopefully, an open and intriguing game, and one that if Rovers win and they also win against Scunthorpe, it could really just get everybody ready for those final ten games of the season.
1: And you know, those two big wins could could set them up for a playoff bush could
0: yeah exactly it keeps, it keeps them in the mix it keeps the points uh, between 6th and them nice and small and all you want to do you know with 5-6 games to go you just have something to
1: play for didn't you yeah if
0: you're in with a shout it's A it's more fun to watch as a fan yeah. but B you never know do you teams do stupid things in April and May they lose 5 in a row and teams win 5 in a row so All you can do is put yourself in and around the mix, keep working hard, and hopefully Rovers can keep adding to what's been, I think, a pretty good 2018 on the pitch so far.
1: I think that's a very nice note to finish on, Jack. We will uh, speak to you in a couple of weeks, then after those games, reassess, and I think then, maybe then, and we've talked about it all season, we will actually know where Bristol Rovers are. We'll see. Also, if you've listened to iTunes, please rate and review the podcast. Thanks for listening. Gassing out loud.